This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. It is Scoop Podcast episode 166. We begin with the pride of Brainerd, former St. Cloud State pitcher. He's knocking on the doorstep of joining the Twins. He is a reliever for the AAA Rochester Red Wings. He is Nick Anderson. Let's catch up with the 28-year-old. Nick, good to catch up. In the open, when I introduced you, I said reliever. I mean, I suppose I should say just Red Wings pitcher because you've started now a few games. I mean, let's let's start there, Nick, if that's okay. Your most recent start came just a couple days ago, Wednesday night. I'm looking at the line, not so positive. How challenging is that for you when your mindset is you're coming in in the middle of a game or toward the end of a game? Then they ask you, hey, we want you to start. What is that like for you? Yeah, um, I mean, pretty simply put, it, it's definitely it's different. Um, you know, it's obviously my last one wasn't uh, the most positive. Uh, I think I, I think I've opened three out of my last four appearances. So, um, you know, I kind of I kind of thought maybe it would you kind of get used to it and you know kind of fill in fill into the role, I guess you know, kind of learn. Um, but it it's just. It is. It's it's kind of one of those things that you don't really understand. Um, it's almost a little unexplainable, I guess, unless you're in the situation. Mm-hmm. They, you know, cu- coming in late in the game, it's just there's fewer innings to be played. Um, it's a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It, it's just just from talking to teammates too that it's you know you're a little more strikeout ready coming into the game later. So you're you know, ju- juiced up a little bit, um, you know, paying, paying attention to the game. So starting, or I should say opening, um, even though it falls into the starting category, it it definitely, I think, takes a little getting used to. Um, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just, you know, the zone hasn't been established. Um, you know, as a reliever coming in later in the game, you know, hopefully the starter is kind of established inside, made the hitters feel a little uncomfortable. So, you know, you might be able to go outside. You might be able to throw outside a little more. Um, whereas in the beginning of the game, it's just they haven't seen anything. You know, they're stepping up to the plate for the first time. So, it's I mean, there's there's positives to it. Um, I understand the the concept and whatnot so um you know I, i've been happy to to fit to fill in and do it and experience it and you know whatever um whatever the red wings whatever the twins you know want me to do if they say they want me to try opening more or whatnot you know it's it's uh I, i'd be glad to um i kind of have the mindset it's it's tough for me because i kind of have the mindset of it, it doesn't matter what inning you know it, it's mm-hmm. baseball it, so I should be able to get up on the mound and do my thing, no matter if it's the first, the second, the third, the ninth, the fifteenth. You know, um, so it's I'm a little hard on myself in that aspect. That I, I don't like to make excuses, you know, for anything. And and it's not just because my last one was kind of ugly. Um, it's just uh, things haven't really gone my way. Um, but it, it it definitely it definitely is different. I would. I was telling some of the, the guys the other day that, you know, I, I personally, I would rather come into the game and just for example 
would be the ninth inning, bases loaded, no outs, with a one-run lead or a tie game or mm. something, you know, like mm-hmm. something, something high pressure. And that's, I just think that's kind of the way my brain, I guess, has, has been built over, you know, my lifetime, I guess, rather than, rather than opening. You get the the philosophy behind it. What what have they explained to you, Nick, about what that philosophy is? Well, it's supposed to be so the starter uh, doesn't have to face the heart of the lineup uh, three times, or the, you know, theoretically, hopefully, hopefully not three times. Mm-hmm. And um, from an analytical standpoint, you know what? It makes sense. I just wonder how much they weigh the the human side of things. You know, playing with. You know, for lack of a better way of saying it, Nick, I mean, you know, mind bleeping you, mind bleeping others, that, that there is a human element to this, too, not just analytics. Right, right. And, and that's kind of the thing, that's kind of some of the things that people talk about a little bit is is the the stuff that you can't account for. You know, we're not, we're not robots. So you can't just, you know, plug in an equation and say, boom, here's the answer. Um, and... That's like you said. I mean, you said it analytically speaking. It it does it makes sense. Um, and you know, I'm not saying I'm opposed to it by by any means. It, it's just it's different. It's you know, kind of it got through thrown at us. So we're uh, we're kind of the the test the test people the test bunnies um, just to to see how it goes. Um, but I you you said it. There there are things. This, the human side of it that you just you can't explain, um, especially it's you know if you haven't played the game or you know played the game at this level, uh, I think it's really hard for somebody to fully grasp that human element to it, um, the way people are wired or whatever you know just like you said. How do you evaluate, Nick, your overall season? I mean, I guess, you know, last outing included. As you look at your total body of work, I'm looking at the numbers right now. I mean, to me, what stands out is 67 strikeouts and 45 and a third innings. I mean, you are a strikeout pitcher. I mean, is that what you pride yourself on? How do you look at your overall body of work this year? Yeah, uh, I get, I, um, like I said, I'm a little, I'm a little hard on myself. But I, I definitely can't complain with the strikeout numbers. Um it's you know being a being a reliever it's I don't know that's everybody wants strikeouts that that's just kind of the the thing everybody likes strikeouts uh, even the crowd so it yeah it's it's been a little bit more um, obviously coming off a year like I had last year uh, it's kind of I knew that I can't go out and try to do that same thing because last year is just kind of an unreal year. Um, but there, there's been some ups and downs this year, uh, with, you know, just feeling pitches out or, you know, losing, going to the park one day and being like, God, you know what, this, I didn't, I don't have my curveball today. Um, which is, which is part of baseball. You know, it's the long season and nobody can stay locked in the whole season. And I mean, if you can, that's probably where you get the, you get the great, um, but overall, I'd say it's been it's been a it's been a good year. Um, it's been a good learning year. We, I mean, as a team, we have a lot of fun. 
um, a, a record wouldn't wouldn't show that. But as a, as a group, um, I think we got a bunch of good guys and and we have fun and you know no no matter what our record, it's we we still go out and compete and it's everybody just kind of stick together and grinding and you know trying to be the best that they could be. You a three pitch pitcher? You touched on the curveball. I mean, is a curveball fastball changeup? Yeah, so I kind of started off the year fastball curveball. Um, coming out of coming out of camp, I didn't really have a good feel for my changeup. It was kind of erratic. Uh, some days it would have movement, some days it wouldn't. So I just kind of came out fastball curveball, and curveball felt great. Um, and then, you know, I had talked with uh, the coaches and. Um, trying to trying to mix in uh, change up too and start you know having that having a third having a third weapon. Um, so I started mixing that in and uh, that I mean that's came that's came a long way and starting to starting to use that more uh, curveball. I think I'm trying to throw the curveball a little too much lately. <laughs> um, not uh, hasn't hasn't been feeling the best, but um, you know still going out and. Trying to trying to find it and compete and you know no matter how it feels it's once you step on that game mound it's it's game situation you know you, you're not out there being like ah oh, you know trying to monkey with it on the game mound so I'll just try to put in put in work before you get out there so you don't really have to think a whole lot. Nick, take us through your journey because your journey is is one heck of a story. I mean, right? This is your first taste of AAA action. I mean, you pitched at what multiple colleges, including St. Cloud State. You were in what independent ball for a stretch, and then the climb up affiliated ball. I mean, what's what's this journey been like? Where, where you're now a Triple A, you know, you're running right the doorstep of of fulfilling a major league dream. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty surreal. Um, it's I know you know back in college or whatever when my you know my dreams been to play in the big leagues. It's. I, you don't, you know, you don't think about the the steps in between, you know, from college to the big leagues. What's going to happen in between the steps that are going to get you there? So it's, it's just, you know, you just kind of go through and you experience it and just keep your head on straight and and whatever whatever comes, you know, whatever happens happens, you know, and it's that's part of the it's part of the journey. So it's. It's definitely been interesting. I've met a lot of different people and seen a lot of different baseball in the aspect of playing indie ball for two years. And then I actually took a summer off in 14 and just played amateur ball in, in Minneapolis. Mm. Um, and then in 15, went to a showcase or a tryout and played indie ball again and got picked up by the Twins. So, um it's just yeah it's been like I said I don't really I kind of just take stuff day to day and and really you know I feel, I feel like when you have the ultimate goal and the vision to play in the big leagues that you know you can't worry about the day to days um, or 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 like you know getting to that to that point Um you just have to just trust the process, really, you know, and just believe in yourself that you will get there, no matter no matter what happens. You know, if I if you have a bad year, well, oh well, you know, you have a bad year. You can't be 
can't be perfect all the time. You know, so so just truly having an ultimate belief that no matter no matter what happens in your life or to you or during the season or whatever it could be, you know, just just working hard and doing what you can do each day and just having that belief that you're going to get to no matter what. Was it hard to always maintain that belief? I mean, when you take that summer off, when you're when you're pitching in Minneapolis, amateur ball, 2014. I mean, was there a temptation to say I'm done? I mean, did you did you know even when you took that summer off that you would get back to professional baseball in 2015? Yeah, that, that honestly kind of was the spark. To be honest, um, I, I was because I, I was working. So it's it's funny it's funny that you asked that because I, I was doing. I, I do house remodeling in okay. Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. So so uh and I and I worked with a guy, Brent Krause. And he used to Former St. Paul Saint. For, yes. I used to I yeah. used to broadcast Saints games. So yeah, Brent is yeah. one of the great players in Saints history. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So um so in, in two thousand thirteen when I was at spring training in Gary, Indiana at the Railcats, I I met a buddy, uh Josh Wetloffer. And he ended up. I lived in Brainerd still at the time, so he. I talked to him, connected with him, and we're good friends now. So he was like, he wanted me to get down to the cities because you know, unfortunately in Brainerd, there's there's not a whole lot for baseball development, especially what you know, trying to play professional baseball, mm-hmm. and you know, facilities, indoor stuff, everything. So he ended up figuring out a way for me to get down to the cities and I started working with Brent with Brent Krause yep. so so for yeah, I think that was in that was in beginning of 2014 so I moved down to the cities in beginning of 2014 and started working with Brent and Josh worked with Brent too and I I was just I was just always focused and set on making it to the big leagues and, and I was just like you know my first couple of years of indie ball were pretty rocky and um, just up and down, and I kind of I kind of lost the the love for the game. You know, when you go to the field and and just instead of just having fun, I was just putting pressure on myself and just trying to do too much, and nothing nothing good usually comes from that. So um, yeah, so I just worked all summer and just played and played town ball with uh, the Tri City Shark. And I met a couple of buddies um, for the facility, Tom and Ethan Imdike. And so I worked out at their place and just, you know, developed a pretty good friendship with those guys. And I, did, I just, it started, I don't know, it kind of sparked it in the sense that I just, I started having fun again um, and just enjoyed baseball, you know, go out and hang out at the field. Because, I mean, it's amateur ball. There's there's no pressure on on that, you know, who are you, who are you trying to impress? It's, <laughs> so it, 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 but so what I'll get back to, um, it kind of sparking. It was funny cause Brent and Josh would always, they, they would talk at work and they, they would just be kind of amazed at how I just work and go play ball. And no matter what, that I still, you know, it was just a stepping stone to, to get back into, professional baseball and you know hopefully make it to the big league so they they brent brent would laugh brent would laugh too he'd be like god i don't know how he does it like i don't know if i could do that you know it's just 
hate taking a year off, but it, it really, I don't know, it just, it helped me, it helped me start to have fun again at the ballpark and just enjoy the time with teammates and just the game, really. And now, Nick, is that spark as, as strong as ever? I mean, what's, what's the weight like? Like, for example, Thursday night, okay, the Twins, the Twins trade Fernando Rodney to the A's. So then you know that there's a 40-man spot open because the Twins would need to add you to the 40-man, although adding anybody to the 40-man is not exactly challenging with the Twins right now. Like, give me a pencil and an eraser. I can create 40-man <laughs> spots, snap of the fingers, right? But but they would have to add you to the 40-man. But, like, when you see a transaction like that, are you thinking there's a chance, there's a chance? You know, it's been a revolving door. I mean, heck, think about, you know, one of your teammates right now, Alan Boosnitz, up and back. You know, Tyler Duffy is now back up with the Twins, but – up and back you know are you just waiting by the phone hoping that the that the phone rings that you get that call to the big leagues yeah it it's i've had times throughout the throughout the season that um it's been stronger than than others um you know and that's kind of where i kind of have to talk to myself and it's just like all right stop nick you you know you can't control this it's this doesn't, this doesn't matter, you know, no matter if you're in AAA or in the big leagues, like you just still have to play baseball and perform and, and do your job. So I, I, I have found myself, not going to lie, a couple times, you know, a few times during the year, start to think about it a little more. Um, but then, then, you know, I just feel like then I just start, I start worrying about stuff and, instead of just being at the park and, and having fun. So I it's, I know there's a spot. Um, I know there's been opportunity. And it's just, you know, I, I don't personally have any control over those decisions. So I really try and detach myself from stuff that I don't have any control over. I just try to keep my, keep my mindset positive and... You know, I, I've always, I've always said that it's when you when you start worrying about, you know, what's going to happen, or gosh, I sh- this should happen, or this shouldn't, and I think it just really takes away mental energy from, you know, being you and being the best that you can be. You know, you start to kind of maybe get into a negative mindset a little bit, you know, and then it starts starts weighing on you, and then who who knows what can happen. So. Um, I know the possibilities there, and I just got to finish up the season strong. And, you know, maybe, you know, if it happened tomorrow, it happened tomorrow. If it happened in September, it happens in September. And if, you know, if, if it doesn't happen, then uh, then on then on to the next thing, really, you know. Um, can't uh, can't control any of that. So I just try to, try to finish up the season strong and uh, hopefully, hopefully end up up there at, at some point. I'll let you go after this, Nick. I mean, I could ask you about a number of your teammates, pitching teammates. You know, but we've seen a lot of these guys up here. Like, you know, we've seen Romero up here. We've seen Boosnitz up here. You know, Curtis had a cup of coffee. We sort of know who he is. But I do want to pick your brain on on Steven Gonsalves. He'll be in the Twins rotation at some point. I mean, maybe it's next year. Who knows exactly when. But I'm curious, you know, as one of Gonsalves' teammates, uh, what stands out when you watch him pitch? He... It's it's magic. He uh, mm. <laughs> it, it, it it honestly it's unbelievable. Um, it, it doesn't matter if who's on base. It doesn't. He just 
he finds a way to get it done. Um, you know, sometimes more dominating than, than other times. You know, there was that stretch, uh, what, for like three weeks ago or whatever it was, or for the last three weeks or something, that um, there was, what, 30 innings and one run or something like that. And he, you know, and he had some walks. So there was guys on base, but it just, he just found a way. Um, he, he mixes it up well. And it's, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. He, he just goes out and, and grinds it out. And that's, I don't really know how else to put it. It's just, you know, you can, you can laugh about it a little bit. And it's just, he just, just finds a way to get it done. He's a magician out there. Nick, I appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much for your time. I know a lot of people here in the Twin Cities and certainly throughout Minnesota are rooting for you. So we hope at some point that eventually you get to the Twins clubhouse, that you get to fulfill a dream and play in the major leagues. But, you know, whether it happens here, maybe it happens next year in a different organization, wherever, there's a lot of people rooting for you. Just know that. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. We transition from Nick Anderson to the newest Timberwolf. It is James Nunnally. He is nice enough to join us now. James, thanks for your time. All right. I mean, take us through the last month or so. Correct me if I'm wrong. Married, honeymoon, getting back to the NBA, about as good as it gets from a life standpoint, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good, it's been a good summer, I can to say the least. Now, okay, let's pretend like your wife isn't listening right now. How would you rank those life achievements? <laughs> oh man, I have to say. To me, I have to say, married, NBA, honeymoon. Those three. Those three. That's that's the order I'm taking. All right, and I think that's fair. Wife's always listening. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Trust me. Yeah, even when you think, yeah, she's not listening, she's not paying attention, you know that she absolutely is paying attention. Now, where'd you guys go on the honeymoon? Went to Turks and Caicos. Very nice. Okay, so... I mean, it would still be, I mean, among great life achievements, yeah, I mean, I get it, you know, returning to the NBA, getting married, but still the honeymoon, I'm guessing that there were a lot of good memories created there. A lot of, a lot of good memories, a lot of good memories. It was a really fun, it was a really fun time. Now, signing the contract with the Wolves, was this a situation where the deal was actually done for a while, but you had to get married, you wanted to get done with your honeymoon before you could get here to Minnesota to officially sign? It, it actually happened the the day after the wedding. Oh, okay. So I I knew I knew the day after the wedding, and um, I just kind of kept it on the on the low, and uh, just enjoyed my honeymoon and not worried about anything. So I was I was excited. I was excited though. And going on a honeymoon, knowing yeah. I'm going to come back to sign a contract, I, I was very, I was definitely excited. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Did you have a sense that the Wolves would extend a contract offer? I mean, you worked out here right earlier in the summer. Do you feel like that workout went well, and to the point where the Wolves maintained dialogue with your agent and eventually came to, to a deal? Definitely, um, most definitely, the dialogue, you know, remained um, all throughout all throughout the summer since that workout. So. I felt I felt confident, but you just never know, you know. Um, it's a business, and you know they they have to fit their needs. And um, luckily, I was, you know, I was one of the needs that they that, that um, the team needed and, and wanted. So I'm I'm glad everything worked out. 
James, when you talk about need, I mean, you have the gift of shooting, and you know how badly the Wolves need shooting help, right? I mean, that is that is the need as much as anything, right? That is what makes you such an ideal fit because you can shoot from three, and the Wolves still need three-point shooters. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, most definitely. I'm. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm just the average three-point shooter, but I, I can definitely shoot the ball good. Uh, uh, I'll play defense. I, I I just I feel like I, I bring much more than three shooting to the table, but but if that's what if that's what they need me to do, then that's what I'll be doing. You know. Now, did you say, James, that you're just an average three point shooter? I'm looking at the numbers. I mean, you're you're far too humble. I mean, you are you are a great three point <laughs> shooter. I mean, last year for that team in Turkey that Nemanja Bjelica used to play for, one of the great teams in Europe. I mean, what did you shoot? Fifty five percent from three point range. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't say I was the average. I said I said I, I don't feel like I'm your average three point, sh- just like a shooter, you know. Like, oh, you know, okay, okay. Off. Yeah, because I mean, you, you can know, be like, classified, James, as a really good three point shooter. Right? I mean, you have to consider yourself a really, really good three point <laughs> shooter, right? I, I feel like I'm one of the best in the world. Yeah. Shooting. And it's you not know, just. I, that's, that's my... Yeah, and and to me, I mean, even looking at your like efficient field goal percentage, even with two pointers. I mean, you take a lot of smart shots, too. So, I mean, how much pride do you take in, in not only being able to make three-point shots, but also taking the right shots and making those shots? Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I pride myself in being efficient. You know, um, on the team like that where I was at the past two years, you're not getting, you're not getting more than 10, 10, 11 shots. You're not getting more than 10 shots again at all. You're going to be around five or six shots, and you have to – you really have to, you know, make the most of every opportunity that you get. And expound on on the type of player you are, James, because you're right. I mean, we don't want to just say that you're just a shooter. I mean, you bring a certain, you know, defensive intensity, you know, a toughness. I mean, is it is it safe to say that you're a you're a Tom Thibodeau type player? Um, yeah, I, I yeah. You can you can say that you know I'm a I'm just a grinder. That's what I am. You know I'm a I'm a get through everything. I'm a I'm just gonna make make the most out of any opportunity I get. That's the type of guy I am. Basketball and life and just everything in general. I'm just gonna I'm gonna get through it and I'm gonna find a way. <laughs> that's that's all I can. That's that's just that's that's just me. Do you and Tibbs have have a good vibe? I mean, did you get to know him pretty well when you were here for that workout? Then when you came back to sign your contract, yeah, we had a we had a, we had a nice uh, forty five minutes just talk. You know, get to know each other, and um, it was, I felt like it was I felt like it was a pretty good conversation. What he wanted for me, and, and any questions I had, they were answered. He's a he's a simple he's a <laughs> You know, simply he's straight. He's a straightforward type of person. That's what I, I respect that, and uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm used to. What sorts of questions did you have for him? I just I was asking a little bit about the defensive scheme, and you know, uh, what you know, what, what what's going to be needed for me, and what what when I when did I need to be out there, and just just simple things like that. I know I'll expand more once I once I get there and you know get playing, but. Just simple things like that. We were talking over the weekend, James, and you said that you played for for an intense coach 
in Europe. So, I mean, any coach that you would play for here in the NBA can't compare to the coach that you just played for. Is that is that accurate? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. That's, that's definitely accurate. Yeah. <laughs> tell us about your coach in Europe. Sure. I, I don't even think I have to tell you guys. I, I think you just have to go to YouTube and look at yeah. him. <laughs> now, he, he's, a, he's a great coach. Um, very, uh, very demanding of the players. You know, he gets the best out of everybody. And, um, you know, he ha- he he's gonna he's gonna make you work. He's gonna make you work, and you better you better be focused every practice, every film session, every every second that basketball is involved. You you have to have a certain type of focus, and. Uh, or you will be eaten alive if you don't. Take us through the journey, James. I mean, what's it been like? I mean, you're 28. I mean, were there times where you thought, you know what, I can I can make a really good living here in Europe, but but I'll be over here in Europe. I, I can't get back to the NBA. I mean, what's what's this journey been like where you've bounced around all over the world and now you're finally back in the NBA? Like, um... I was talking to a couple of friends, you know, this past weekend, and I was just saying, like, the NBA wasn't a priority to me. It wasn't a priority at all. Um, I I didn't mind living in Europe. That's, that's the, that was the whole thing. I didn't. After probably after the first two seasons, I was like, okay, let me let me try the NBA. I went to a few workouts. Um, and nothing, nothing happened from those workouts. So I was like, you know what? Let me just give them all to Europe, and, and just I can make a good living in Europe. Like it, it wouldn't. I, I could, I could do that. You know. I, but then, you know, opportunities from the NBA started coming, coming more and more. I was like, I want to, I want to really give this a, a shot, and um, and I'm, I'm ready to do it. I'm mentally ready. I'm mentally ready, so I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go for it. That was that was my mindset. I've been I've been to the bottom. I've been on the bottom teams. I've been on the top teams. So I, I've seen it all. And there were what a few NBA teams, right? Houston, New Orleans, that were interested. But did you circle Minnesota and say, "Hey, I'd like to be there in Minnesota. I see an obvious fit, and they need all sorts of shooting slash wing help." I liked. Um, after my workout, we had me, uh, me, Coach Thibodeau, and uh, Mr. Layden. We had a, we had like a twenty-minute conversation, you know, right, right on the court after our, after my workout, and I felt like it was positive. I felt like you know, um, they were interested. Um, but uh, I, that, that's that's the feeling I got from this. So I was like, man, Minnesota would be a would be a good spot. I felt like, um, but you know. Uh, Things didn't pan out with, with another team. Um, some contract fell through, so that didn't happen. And Minnesota emerged, so I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. That's all I can say. I'm happy about Minnesota to be here. Take us through James the next few weeks. I mean, will you be back here in Minnesota sometime right after Labor Day to to increase maybe just workouts with teammates? I mean, presumably you're working out hard right now with with your own trainer, mm-hmm. maybe out west. But will you be back here yeah. in Minnesota sometime after Labor Day? I'll actually be back. I'll be back next week. Oh, okay. So, I mean, workouts will start to ramp up even as soon as next week here in Minnesota. 
Um, I I assume I'll 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 come back. You know, I want to do get some work in with some of the coaches and you know find a place to live and four or five days be there and then and after Labor Day for sure I'll be there. I'll be back. We'll leave you after this, James. How how well do you know some of some of your new teammates? I mean, do you have a relationship with any of the guys? No, I can't. I can't say I do. I don't. I don't have a relationship with anybody. I haven't. I haven't met anybody. Only Justin Patton. I met him um, for a quick second, but that, that's about it. I haven't met any of the guys. How much are you looking forward to meeting them? I mean. You know, it's a good collection of, of young guys plus, you know, veterans like Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. You know, um, I hear nothing but great things about them, and uh, I'm excited to, to get down there and meet everybody and, and get to work, you know. And do you like all the feedback you've gotten? We were talking about that, too, over the weekend, that, you know, oh, yeah. whether it's via Twitter or other social media platforms, that a lot of Wolves fans seem to be excited about your about your addition. Yeah, people are showing a lot of love, and uh, it's, uh, it really feels great. Um, and I'm going to work hard to prove them right, prove my, myself right. Well, a lot of us here are looking forward to seeing you prove yourself right, James. I appreciate you doing this. It's 8 a.m. on the West Coast, so, I mean, you did this early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I've been up, so, I mean, that I've been just, up since 5. Yeah, I mean, that just so, proves so your – yeah, you've been up since 5 a.m.? Uh-huh. Jeez. So, I mean, that just proves your dedication right there. So, I know a lot of Wolves yeah. fans are excited to see you here in Minnesota. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited to be coming. Thank you, James. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. The newest Timberwolf, James Nunnally. It's a two-year deal with different guarantee trigger dates along the way. But if all goes well, he will be here for the next couple of years. Certainly, his shooting will help the Wolves. If he can crack the rotation, he will help the Wolves in many ways, toughness, intensity, you know, playing hard, all that, but certainly his shooting will help them as much as anything. All right, we'll go interview, interview, interview. Then I'll share a few notes on the local sports scene. We'll get to Twins General Manager Thad Levine in just a second to review Cole Stewart's Major League debut and the Fernando Rodney trade. I'm still battling a cold here. Heck, now what, four days in? These colds last, whatever, 10 days. It's just, it's kicking my butt. Oh, man, I hate colds. Just knock me out completely. Don't give me the ability to get up, go to work, but still be clogged, be feeling a little off, all that. Oh, man, I just, I hate colds. But I'm taking the proper drugs, at least I think I am. Uh, before we get to Thad Levine on the Rodney trade, on Cole Stewart, on some other things, well, let me give some love to Vivid Seats. The Vikings preseason opener is at the end of this week. It is Saturday night against Jacksonville. If you're looking for an opportunity to get to U.S. Bank Stadium, whether it's Vikings-Jaguars, Vikings-Seahawks, or regular season, Vikings-49ers, Vikings-Bills, go up and down the list. Use Vivid Seats, and if you use Vivid Seats, go to the website vividseats.com or download the app. If you're a first-time user, use the promo code SCOOP, SCOOP, for 10% off your order. That's for first-time buyers. If you've used Vivid Seats before, you know how great it is. It is your ticket home They will take care of you when it comes to Vikings tickets. It is hassle-free. You don't have to worry about, you know, somebody selling you fake tickets on Craigslist or somebody selling you a counterfeit ticket on the street, anything like that. Vivid Seats is completely authentic. They have a great track record. It is very easy to use. You use it right there on your phone. I'm telling you, download the app. Simple to use. VividSeats.com 
or download the app for Vivid Seats. Get your Vikings tickets. Vikings Jaguars Saturday night, U.S. Bank Stadium. Take advantage of Vivid Seats. And if you haven't used Vivid Seats before, again, use the promo code SCOOP for 10% off your first order. 10% off Vikings tickets is a pretty good deal. All right, let's now transition to Twins General Manager Thad Levine. I should note that I taped Nick Anderson on Friday late morning, the 10th of August, then did James Nunnally on this Monday morning, the 13th of August, now transitioning to Twins General Manager Thad Levine here on the 13th of August, late Monday morning, early afternoon. Thad, we chatted not that long ago, so let's just go sequentially since the last time we chatted. We chatted last after the five trades. You make a six trade. You send Fernando Rodney to the Oakland A's. Take us through the thought process there. Was there a thought in just pulling him back off waivers? How did that trade come about, executing that trade with Oakland, and ultimately deciding not to pull him back off waivers? It, it was a unique trade in a few regards. One was the fact that uh, you've got a closer who is in his early 40s who most teams viewed as an expiring asset, whereas we, we really viewed him as a guy that we really contemplated that option as having bona fide value for us in the upcoming season. So we were we were valuing him as having carry-forward value, whereas other teams tended to value him as just a guy that could help him in the sprint to the finish line here in 2018. I think that is in large regard why we didn't really come to a deal prior to the deadline. After the deadline, after we'd made the trades that we made, uh, it was a real soul-searching move because we do value what he contributes to the team both on and off the field. I think Fernando has been a consummate professional and really has helped lead by example some of our younger players, especially those in the bullpen. And clearly he has a love of the game that we find infectious. I think our fans really enjoyed, and I think our players did as well. Now the flip side of that conversation is that the Oakland Athletics called when they had the priority waiver claim. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes what you hear in those calls is, hey, we really don't have a ton of interest. We were just blocking. Yeah, You know, you, you pick the contender the Red Sox, Indians, Houston, Yankees, Seattle, whoever may be at that time. Uh, but instead, what we heard from David Force, the general manager of the Oakland Athletics, is that they had genuine interest in the player. So that certainly piqued our interest. We then also, as a function of Fernando being a veteran, we reached out to Brian Mejia, Fernando's agent, and we chatted with him about what Fernando's desires were. And needless to say, I think his first priority was to try to make the playoffs with Minnesota Twins. But I think his second priority was to make the playoffs. And so for a guy who is as advanced in his career as he is, that's something that we're going to take into consideration. Uh, and so when Oakland expressed sincere interest, when Brian Mayhew expressed that Fernando would have some interest in trying to pursue uh, his dream of continuing to play towards a World Series completion, uh, I think those two things put us over the top to try to get a deal done. Now, the function of, of it being a waiver claim we have a finite amount of time. We have 48 hours to complete a trade, and so that accelerated matters quite a bit. Uh, and we really put some work into it, and our scouts and our analytics gave us a list of names. Uh, Dakota Chalmers was a, was a player who was towards the top of that list, a guy that we don't think we would have normally been able to access but for the fact that he had Tommy John earlier this year. Uh, going into last year, he was somewhere in their teens and their prospect board. Uh, and it's a, it's a guy that has a little bit of a lower floor as a function of the of the injury, but a guy that we do think has a higher ceiling, a guy who was very well regarded coming out of the draft, power-armed righty, 
a guy who goes nicely into our mix, a guy that probably won't get to participate until the second half of next year. But I think we feel uh, continues to build that stable of potential high-end arms that, again, could impact us at the major league level in the, in the years to come. I mean, was he Thad maybe right at the top of the list? Like, you know, if you don't get him in the offer, you don't trade Fernando Rodney? You know, we, we had had a number of conversations with Oakland about a variety of our other players before the deadline. So we, we kind of were using that as a jumping-off place. And, and to your point, yes, Dakota Chalmers was towards the top of this list. And we weren't just going to trade Fernando to trade him, as I, as I mentioned as much as we wanted to be respectful of his desire to play in the playoffs, we did see a future that included Fernando Rodney. So we were not inclined to just trade him uh, just to move move on. Uh, it had to be a deal that we felt was above the line in, in acquiring Dakota Chalmers. We do think we acquired a player that, that really inspired us to, to make the move. On Fernando, it looked like he had a good debut for Oakland over the weekend. Are you paying much attention to the guys that you moved? I mean, Dozier's off to a good start with the Dodgers. Escobar homered a couple times over the weekend for Arizona. And Lance Lynn, I mean, that's one where you just kind of raise your eyebrows. He's off to a phenomenal start for the Yankees. Yeah, and, and, and Presley's doing well for Houston. Mm-hmm. And I know Zach Duke had a few rough starts, uh, rough outings to start with, but I think he got the win this weekend in, in Houston. So all of our guys have made contributions. I think we look at it and say, we, we've cast the net wide. We send six major league players to six different teams. Uh, we're hopeful that one of these guys will end up with a World Series ring at the end of the day. And so I think we are paying close attention. We, we care about all those players, uh, and we would love to see them do well for, for themselves personally, for the teams that acquired them. And I think that only helps us do business in the future if uh, other general managers in the game know that we're trading players that really can genuinely help their teams achieve their goals. That That's only going to help uh, Derek, Rob, and myself when we make calls in future years. On Logan Morrison, how unfortunate is his situation, and is this a situation that's been bothering him for a while? So to, to, to address the latter question first, I, I think that's only something he could answer. I would say based upon the nature of the entry, I think it has been bothering him for a little while. This was a chronic situation, and so that means it's just something that's been building up over time. Uh, he's been playing through a lot of discomfort, pain, and some limitation. How much I think he would be best to answer that question, but suffice to say, it has impeded his progress in 2018. He, he, he came over here as advertised and was, was a presence in our clubhouse, uh, and I think he tried as, as best he could to contribute on the field. I think, unfortunately, at the end of the day, that the injury just got the best of him here, and you know we want to put him in the best position to, to contend for jobs going into next season and to put himself in the best position to be 100% ready to go at the beginning of spring training. And just the nature of this injury is there's a four- to six-month recovery period based upon the severity of it. They won't know that until they perform the surgery. So we consulted with his agent, in this case, Fred Ray and Mark Pieper, and then the collective decision was to put him in the best position for next year. He needed to shut himself down now and start pursuing the surgical option. Will it be your team doctor that does the surgery? So this is this is something entirely up to the player. We're, we're going to consult with him. Uh, I believe he has an appointment upcoming this week, and he's going to narrow the field and determine who the, the right surgeon is. But he is consulting with Dr. John Steves, who is our head orthopedic surgeon and our medical director, as to recommendations. And I think they're collaborating on this to determine what the best options are for Logan. One last Logan question, Thad. I mean, was there just a certain toughness? I mean, he was on the DL recently for the 10 days, but then he came off the DL right after those 10 days was that just a situation where he felt like you know hey i can fight through this there's a certain 
you know, macho-ness about these guys, a toughness that they wanted to try to fight through. You know, in this case, he wanted to try to fight through. You know, so you guys activated him right away after those 10 days? I think one of the most difficult things to scout is a player's pain threshold. There's some players who are able to play and contribute through what, you know, normal people would seem to be dire situations. And there are other guys who really struggle unless everything is, is just right. And Logan clearly was one of those guys who wanted to fight through this for his team. The, the 10 days down at the uh, over the All-Star break in the DL was a hope to try to stave off some of the discomfort he was feeling. And uh, there was some treatment delivered at that time. And then, unfortunately, when it just really didn't alleviate the matter, I, I think we realized that there was going to be just a finite number of at-bats he could give us for the rest of the season so that he would be prepared for 2019. And, and that's really when this came to a head. But to your point, I've worked with a countless number of players, some of whom have an amazing pain threshold that comes to mind, Michael Young, Adrian Beltre, Colby Lewis, and then other guys who really do, they're more human, I guess I would say, Mm -hmm. and and they're all all the way in between. And I think that's kind of the art form of managing these players, and that's really up to your, your head athletic trainer and your strength and conditioning coordinator to give you some insight as to how best to manage the, the progress of those players. Before we get to Cole Stewart's performance Sunday on the field, take us through the decision-making process, how you guys decided it would be him and not whether, you know, it was Stephen Goldsalvis, Fernando Romero. And I know there was a timetable there where, where you weren't quite sure if Mejia would go on the DL, but I suppose even with that up in the air, you could have held, you know, for example, Goldsalvis back a day or two just to wait. So take us through the decision-making process, why Cole Stewart over some other guys. So I take big picture, and, and once again, this is an element that I'm not suggesting is necessarily going to be ha- uh, very popular in our clubhouse, potentially even in our fan base, but part and parcel to making the five moves and then ultimately the sixth trade we made with Fernando Rodney was a commitment by us that we wanted to use as much of the remaining season, the, the remaining plate appearances and innings pitched to, to test drive guys that we think can contribute in 2019 and beyond. So that, that process started, quite frankly, with Adalberto Mejia and unfortunately came to a little bit of a, a, a curtailed shortness there when we when we found out that he had an injury. But our, our commitment stayed true to that. We, we wanted to give guys like Gabriel Moya and, and Trevor May more meaningful innings out of the bullpen. We wanted to bring up guys like Tyler Austin and, and to see kind of what we have going into next year to determine mm-hmm. what what pieces could be part of of our carry forward, but then also what pieces that we believe could be part of the championship pursuit that we have here. So you mentioned a few other names, Stephen Gonzalez, Fernando Romero, to name a few. You know, we, we feel as if Zach Littell could contribute as well. And then yeah. there are countless arms out of the bullpen down there that have performed extremely well. This was just the next opportunity. I think our hope and goal would be to give a lot of those guys more real opportunities in the big leagues as well. Cole Stewart was a unique uh, player in the sense that First-round draft pick, 2013, uh, Greg Runzer did a great job standing behind this guy throughout his, his tenure with us. Mike Ruth was essential to this guy's progress within our organization. Obviously, Darren Johnson and Mike Radcliffe deserve a ton of, of respect and credit, too, for standing behind him because this was not an easy path to the big leagues for Cole Stewart. There were some fits and starts along the way. Yvonne Artiega ended up working with him for a number of years as a pitching coach and I think did a tremendous job of helping his evolution. And then ultimately this year, there was a, there were, I think there was a little bit of a turning point when he wasn't protected on our roster in the offseason, was not selected in the Rule 5, and I think Cole Stewart took that very personally and very seriously. 
He's a person with supreme confidence and conviction, and I think he really doubled his efforts this year, and it really paid off. He, he matriculated at AAA, something that he had not done in previous years, and he had some good success there. So I think he was a perfect example of the type of player that we would like to see what we have in him so that we can factor his contributions for 2019 into our 2018 offseason planning heading into 2019. I don't think that diminishes the fact that we are hopeful that we're going to give some of these other guys looks at some point during the season. We're just going to need to wait for the next opportunity to present itself. On the field, I mean, maybe the swings and misses weren't there, but it seemed that the stage wasn't too big for Cole. Like, I'll say this. I mean, I hope to see him at Target Field. I guess his turn would come up on Saturday against, what, the same team, Detroit. But my hope, that is that we see Cole Stewart at Target Field on Saturday against the Tigers. I thought, all things considered, it wasn't a bad debut. I, I think you I think you nailed it. I think he did not seem uh, that the moment was too big for him. I think oftentimes the first thing you test for guys making major league debuts is just how big is that moment. And I think he controlled uh, his his breathing, his heart rate, and and his strike throwing. You know, tough to argue with a guy despite the lower percentage of strikeouts, which is kind of what we saw in AAA within this year. Yeah. He was only striking out about six six and a quarter guys per nine. But he was just one of these guys who the defense always had to be sharp behind them because there were balls being put in play all over the place, and most of them were on the ground. To me, this guy's a little bit of a throwback Minnesota Twins pitcher back you know, in the era where this this franchise had a philosophy of pitch to contact, keep your infield totally engaged, and then make athletic plays behind you. I think you could argue, even in the inning in which he ultimately gave up runs, that there were a few uh, kind of do-or-die plays that if we'd made behind him, I think his stat line for the game looks a lot different and we may end up staying in that game and ultimately winning it so i think cole did his job he, he forced the other team to put the ball in play uh, and i think you know our our infielders and outfielders are going to enjoy playing behind them because they're going to be very engaged will he ever be a strikeout guy you think i think with his current his current pitch repertoire i think we're going to see a lot of more pitch to contact with him which there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with. Now, in the minor leagues, we did see a guy who up until his time in AAA was striking out eight or nine batters per nine, which is plenty. So I think as he matures, I certainly think he can evolve into that. He's an extremely shrewd mind. So this this is a guy who's trying to stay a, a step ahead of the, of the hitters. But I think for the time being, uh, coming to the big leagues and forcing the other team to pound the ball into the ground, uh, there, there's a lot of good outcomes that can come from that. I'll let you go after three more bullet points. Irvin Santana, circling back to the Rodney trade. I mean, he was pretty outspoken. Have you have you had a chance to talk to Irvin about his unhappiness with, with the Rodney trade and, and just you guys stripping this thing down? I, I think that's something Derek and I will try to do now that the team's back, back at home. Yeah, I think sometimes these comments are taken a little bit out of context, but I think at the heart of it, I, always, I want the players to be fired up when we make trades like this. I, I don't want them to be... Uh, uber pragmatic and say, hey, listen, I, I understand what our playoff odds were or where the team was trending. I, I want them to fight to the last for for the glory of, of trying to win. And I think that's what our fans want. So when they express themselves verbally towards those ends, I, I never take it personally uh, at all. You know, I, I think Irvin's trying to step up and take a little bit of the void of the leadership that was created by some of the trades that we made. And so he, he's voicing an opinion and he's put on the spot to to make some comments on, on behalf of the club, and I, I don't ever take those personally. But I think when a player says something that demonstratively, it is it is beneficial to sit down with them and just to make sure you give them the forum to 
ask any questions they may have and clear the air and make sure we're moving forward together. But I think those those comments, by and large, were made out of a spirit of competitiveness and an attempt to, to lead the men down there, and I, I certainly respect that. Byron Buxton back in the AAA lineup when? Tuesday? So, you know, the, our, our pursuit all along with Byron is to – this has been a little bit of a challenging season for him, to say the least, relative to his health, is we're still committed first to his health, second to getting him back on the field. So we're going to continue to work with, with the medical staff down there. So I don't mean to sound noncommittal, but we are li- literally kind of progressing day-to-day with him. So I rather than say definitively he's going to be on the field tomorrow, I want to make sure he goes through everything he needs to today. Uh, that certainly is the plan, but our commitment to him is to put him in the best position where he can get out there as pain-free as possible. I think we, we've learned through this process there's going to be, need to be some maintenance that he's going to have to have of maintaining through some, some pain and prevailing. Uh, that, that's something that's going to be entirely up to him, and we're going to try to give him every resource possible. But we're literally having an every 24-hour checkpoint with Byron, so we'll know more tom- about tomorrow later today. Michael Pineda hit 95 for the miracle the other day. He did. And, you know, this has been such a a, a nice story. And we were hopeful that it was going to be against the backdrop of us playing uh, real meaningful games down the stretch and that he could come in and and give us a nice shot in the arm, uh, literally and figuratively. His his progress through his his rehab process, I I think a lot of guys deserve a ton of credit along the way, way here. Uh, Frank Jagoda, who works for us down in, in Fort Myers, has worked tirelessly with him, as has Ian Kadish and Dave Rack down there. And Jeff Lottie, who, is, who runs our rehab here in Minneapolis, has worked tirelessly with him. And, of course, our, our head trainer, Tony Leo, and, and the guys here, Matt Biancuso and, and Masa Abe, all these guys have worked so so closely with him. And, and he deserves so much credit for the, the time and commitment he's put in. Real encouraging outing the other day. Gave up a few hits, but no walks, three strikeouts three innings pitched down there and I think we're going to start seeing him progress through the minor leagues with what was always the plan and eye towards uh, possible activation here in Minneapolis sometime in, in September. Nice. All right. And one last ray of positivity. I mean, how about all the guys you have in the minors, you know, from an offensive standpoint that are just, they're raking right now, like Larnick. It's his first home run for Cedar Rapids over the weekend. Kirilov, Lewis, Brent Rooker. I mean, you have some serious guys doing damage in the minor leagues. It's exciting, you know, and I, and I you know, I'm, I'm, I temper these comments because I know our fans want to see us perform at the major league level, but I would just say that the the promise that's on the horizon is significant. We we always try to not singularly put all of our hopes in one one player in the minor leagues or one or two players because there's a lot of vagaries as guys go through the minor leagues, whether it's health or performance fluctuation. But you just named a handful. I, I think you could add so many more to that list out of this draft Hellman and Jeffers are performing extremely well Mm -hmm. Piercy down in Elizabethan is performing very well I mean what a tremendous job by by Sean Johnson and his crew to put that many offensive weapons in our system that are some of whom have as you mentioned already gotten up to Cedar Rapids I mean it's extremely exciting we 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 have a Fort Myers team with Kirilov and and Lewis but also now have been joined by the, the mighty De La Trinidad and and Miranda and Costello in a trade, and those guys are fighting for a playoff spot down there. And you know, we believe that playing in the playoffs it does have a, a, a powerful impact for players as they continue to progress through the system. And Celestino has done well since we acquired him, and 
And obviously Duran has done extremely well, and we're excited to see Alcala come back and start pitching for us. So it's, there's a lot, of, a lot of things to be very hopeful and, and very optimistic about on the horizon. We want to marry that up with success in the major leagues, obviously, but some of these guys may, may start working their way through the system at a, a pretty rapid pace depend, based upon how they've performed so far. I mean, is Rooker major league ready right now? Could you bring up Rooker in September? You know, it's, it's, it's a conversation we're having internally. I think we are attentive to that balance of, uh, I think, not falling prey to the siren song of a guy who looks like he's basically major league ready. I mean, there is a reason you try to have guys go level to level and get exposed to different pitching and then also exposed to a league seeing them two or three times, uh, the team seeing them two or three times and making adjustments to see how they make adjustments. But he certainly is an advanced bat in terms of his power production. I think, you know, our continued pursuit with, with Brent is to make him as defensively capable as we can. He's been playing some in the outfield, some at first base. We want to make him as functional a piece defensively for Paul Molitor and the staff when he gets up here. We're not going to cheat the system at the last year, uh, but I think there are some guys who are going to start moving through the system with some speed here soon. I appreciate it as always, Thad. I'll see you at the ballpark this week. Darren, appreciate it having, having me on. Thank you, and take care. Skull Marketing helps bring you the Scoop Podcast. Thad Levine, Nick Anderson, James Nunnally. Good conversations here on Episode 166. Skull Marketing Online is skullmarketing.com or 612-787-SKULL. If you're a small business owner, they want to help you more than anyone. If you're a business owner, they want to help you. They will help you make money. They are a locally owned company started by two former Google employees. Let's make Google work for you. So if you're a business owner and I go to Google and I'm looking for whatever you sell, whatever the product is that you sell, I type that product in and other businesses pop up before your business. Why is that? Why doesn't your business pop up before others? These guys have the answer. They can at least help you. They can talk you through that. They used to work for Google, I'm telling you. They know Google as well as anyone. How about this? You can get a free 30-minute consultation, 612-787-SKOL, 612-787-SKOL. Utilize that 30-minute consultation. It is free. Then you make a determination, okay, these guys are great, or, hey, I'll take my business elsewhere. But I'm telling you, once you sit down with these guys, they will blow you away. For more information, skullmarketing.com. But the bottom line is if you're a business owner, any kind of business owner, Skull Marketing can help you grow your business. Think about it. It is Skull Marketing. It is skullmarketing.com, 612-787-SKULL. I will save a number of my notes for episode 167. I will pass along a few Vikings notes because I'll piggyback off of Skull Marketing Nothing is remotely close on an Anthony Barr contract extension. Edison, Cornelius Edison, who started at center in the Denver game over the weekend, I know internally he graded out incredibly well. I have not looked at the pro football focus grades, but I just know internally the coaches feel like Edison had a phenomenal game. Same goes for David Morgan. One to mention a couple under-the-radar guys. I mean, clearly Kirk Cousins had a good start. Stephon Diggs played well. Dalvin Cook is fine. Dalvin Cook will practice this week against Jacksonville, and the plan will be determined moving forward as to how much he'll play in the preseason, but the belief is he'll play at least a little bit in the preseason, that he won't make his first game carry in the regular season against San Francisco, that he'll get some game action before the 49ers game, the regular season opener on September 9th. I will also mention that the Gophers football team 
has another practice here on Monday the 13th. Well, they have another practice with media availability. Media availability is pretty limited, but I know that we get another chance to watch them later today. I will mention that there have been a few NFL teams through to watch Rodney Smith, Jared Weiler, Donnell Green, and other draft prospects. Rodney Smith absolutely should get drafted, and I do think Weiler has a chance. Green has a chance. The Gopher football team hasn't had an offensive lineman drafted since 2000. And six. Here are the teams that have been through to scout the Gophers. The Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Packers have been in two different times. The Falcons, the Saints, the Rams, and the 49ers, plus one CFL team, Ottawa, and eight other NFL teams will be in before the start of the season. So NFL scouts making the rounds right now, like a Viking scout the other day was at the University of Akron's football practice and was at Ohio State the other day and was at Northern Iowa. So these college scouts, the work never stops. You're starting to do prep for the 2019 draft right now. So you attend these colleges' practices. So all those NFL teams have had scouts through the Gophers facility in the last week and a half, and eight more teams will be in before the opener or for the opener on August 30th. I'll save a few other notes for episode 167. 60 minutes is a pretty good stopping point. 61 minutes here on episode 166. Be sure to support the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast, Vivid Seats, vividseats.com, or download the app. That is your spot for Vikings tickets. And Skoll Marketing, skollmarketing.com. If you're a business owner in particular, a small business owner, they will help you make money. Let Skoll Marketing help you. So please, please, please support the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. Always appreciate you listening. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. Did you know you're more likely to stick to a fitness routine if you enjoy it? That's why Peloton classes are designed to be fun. From cycling to yoga to running to strength training. Whatever your fitness level, Peloton instructors don't just teach, they motivate. No wonder our research in March 2022 found that 70% of Peloton members work out more than they did before joining. Try the Peloton bike or tread risk-free for 30 days. Learn more at OnePeloton.com. Peloton, motivation that moves you. New members only, terms apply.